O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James to the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Balak. Numbers twenty three sixteen to thirty. Hashem manifested himself to Balaam and put a word in his mouth, saying, Return to Balak and speak thus. He went to him and found him standing beside his offerings, and the Moabite dignitaries with him. Balak asked him, What did Hashem say? And he took up his theme and said, Up. Balak, attend, give ear unto me, son of Zippor. Hashem is not man to be capricious, or mortal to change his mind. Would he speak and not act, promise and not fulfill? My message was to bless. When he blesses, I cannot reverse it. No harm is in sight for Jacob, no woe in view for Israel. Hashem their God is with them, and their kings acclaim in their midst. Hashem, who freed them from Egypt, is for them like the horns of the wild ox. Lo, there is no augury in Jacob, no divining in Israel. Jacob is told at once, yes, Israel, what Hashem has planned. Lo, a people that rises like a lion, leaps up like the king of beasts, rests not till it has feasted on prey and drunk the blood of the slain. Thereupon Balak said to Balaam, Don't curse them. And don't bless them. 
In reply, Balaam said to Balak, But I told you, whatever Hashem says, that I must do. Then Balak said to Balaam, Come now, I will take you to another place. Perhaps Hashem will deem it right that you curse them for me there. Balak took Balaam to the peak of Peor, which overlooks the wasteland. Balaam said to Balak, Build me here seven altars, and have seven bulls and seven rams ready for me here. Balak did as Balaam said. He offered up a bull and a ram on each altar. 2 Kings 4, 18-5-27 The child grew up. One day he went out to his father among the reapers. Suddenly he cried to his father, Oh, my head, my head! He said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. He picked him up and brought him to his mother, and the child sat on her lap until noon, and he died. She took him up and laid him on the bed of the man of the Lord, and left him and closed the door. Then she called to her husband, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, so that I can hurry to the man of Hashem and back. But he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither new moon nor Shabbat. She answered, It's all right. She had the donkey saddled and said to her servant, Urge the beast on, see that I don't slow down unless I tell you. She went on until she came to the man of Hashem on Mount Carmel. When the man of Hashem saw her from afar, he said to his servant Gehazi, There is that Shunammite woman. Go, hurry toward her and ask her, How are you? How is your husband? How is the child? We are well, she replied. But when she came up to the man of Hashem on the mountain, she clasped his feet. Gehazi stepped forward to push her away. But the man of Hashem said, Let her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and Hashem has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, Don't mislead me? He said to Gehazi, Tie up your skirts, take my staff with your, in your hand, and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer him, and place my staff on the face of the boy. But the boy's mother said, As Hashem lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi had gone on before them and had placed the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. He turned back to meet him and told him, The boy has not awakened. Elisha came into the house, and there was the boy, laid out dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to Hashem. Then he mounted the bed and placed himself over the child. He put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands as he bent over and the body of the child became warm. He stepped down, walked once up and down the room, then mounted and bent over him. Thereupon the boy sneezed seven times, and the boy opened his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. And he called her. When she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet and bowed low to the ground. Then she picked up her son and left. Elisha returned to Gilgal. There was a famine in the land, and the disciples of the Nevi'im were sitting before him. He said to his servant, Set the large pot on the fire and cook a stew for the disciples of the Nevi'im. 
So one of them went out into the fields to gather sprouts. He came across a wild vine and picked from it wild gourds, as many as his garment would hold. Then he came back and sliced them into the pot of stew, for they did not know what they were, and they served it for the men to eat. While they were still eating the stew, they began to cry, O man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. Fetch some flour, Elisha said. He threw it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people and let them eat. And there was no longer anything harmful in the pot. A man came from Baal Shalisha, and he brought the man of Hashem some bread of the first reaping, twenty loaves of barley bread, and some fresh grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. His attendant replied, How can I set this before a hundred men? But he said, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus said Hashem, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and when they had eaten, they had some left over, as Hashem had said. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was important to his lord and high in his favor. For through him God had granted victory to Aram. But the man, though a great warrior, was a leper. Once, when the Arameans were out raiding, they carried off a young girl from the land of Israel, and she became an attendant to Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish Master could come before the Navi in Shamron. He could cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go to the king of Israel, and I will send along a letter. He set out, taking with him ten shekels of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel. It read, Now, when this letter reaches you, you know that I have sent my courtier Naaman to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he rent his clothes and cried, Am I Hashem to deal death or give life, that this fellow writes to me to cure a man of leprosy? Just see for yourselves that he is seeking a pretext against me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you rent your clothes? Let him come to me, and he will learn that there is a Navi in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go and bathe seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angered and walked away. I thought, he said, he could surely come out to me and would stand and invoke Hashem his God by name and would wave his hand toward the spot and cure the affected part. Are not the Amana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? I could bathe in them and be clean. And he stalked off in a rage. But his servants came forward and spoke to him. Sir, they said, if the Navi told you to do something difficult, would you not do it? How much more when he has said only to you, Bathe and be clean. So he went and immersed himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of Hashem had bidden. And his flesh became like a little boy's, and he was clean. Returning with his entire retinue to the man of Hashem, he stood before him and exclaimed, 
Now I know that there is no Hashem in the whole world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But he replied, As Hashem lives, whom I serve, I will not accept anything. He pressed him to accept, but he refused. And Naaman said, Then at least let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will never again offer up burnt offering or sacrifice to any god except Hashem. But may Hashem pardon your servant for this. When my master enters the temple of Rimnon to bow low and worship there, and he is leaning on my arms so that I must bow low in the temple of Rimnon, when I bow low in the temple of Rimnon, may Hashem pardon your servant in this. And he said to him, Go in peace. When he had gone some distance from him, Gehazi, the attendant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, My master has let that Aramean Naaman off without accepting what he brought. As Hashem lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw someone running after him, he alighted from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? All is well, he replied. My master has sent me to say two youths, disciples of the Nevi'im, have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a shekel of silver and two changes of clothing. Naaman said, Please take two shekels. He urged him, and he wrapped the two shekels of silver in two bags and gave them, along with two changes of clothes, to the two of his servants who carried them ahead of him. When Gehazi arrived at the citadel, he took the things from them and deposited them in the house. Then he dismissed the men, and they went their way. He entered and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He replied, Your servant has not gone anywhere. Then Elisha said to him, Did not my spirit go along when a man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this a time to take money in order to buy clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female slaves? Surely the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. And as Gehazi left his presence, he was snow white with leprosy. Acts 15, 1-35 And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the Torah of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did to us 
and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon has declared God how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Therefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time has in every city them preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas surnamed Barsabbas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings to the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard, that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the Torah, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which you keep yourselves, you shall do well. Farewell. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which, when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words, and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren to the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. Psalm 141, 1-10 Lord, I cry unto you, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer be set forth before you as incense, 
and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as when one cuts and cleaves wood upon the earth. But my eyes are unto you, O God the Lord, and you is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me, and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, while that I can escape. Proverbs 17.23 A wicked man takes a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Numbers chapter 23, and then we're going to jump into Acts 15. And in Numbers 23 and 24, what we have been following is this story of Balak hiring Balaam, a prophet, to come and put a curse on Israel. And each time that he goes up to a mountaintop to speak over the nation, instead of getting a curse, he speaks forth a blessing. So in Numbers 24, uh, the blessing that Balaam speaks, and this is the second one now, He says in verse 19, Hashem is not man to be capricious or mortal to change his mind. Would he speak and not act, promise and not fulfill? My message was to bless, and when he blesses, I cannot reverse it. No harm is in sight for Jacob, no woe in view for Israel. Hashem their God is with them, and their kings acclaim in their midst. And then it continues. And thereupon, in verse 25, Balak said to Balaam, Don't curse them and don't bless them. And in reply, Balaam says to Balak, But I told you, whatever Hashem says, that I must do. Now, first of all, we know that Balaam was not supposed to go at all, and the Lord put a donkey, uh, an angel, in the path of the donkey that he was riding, and the donkey pressed his leg right up against the stone wall. He wasn't supposed to go in the first place at all. But then he keeps on pressing the matter, and then the Lord says, Okay, go, but only say what I tell you to say. I thought you would like to know that um, what Balaam means and what Balak means. So let me just go. I'm going to go into blueletterbible.org and go into Numbers 23. And we will jump into verse 27. And in that verse, we have both the name Balak and Balaam embedded in that verse. And when you click on the link at blueletterbible.org, you can then do a word study and look at what the meaning of that word is in Hebrew. So Balak in the Strong's means devastator. 
So he's the king, the king of Moab, who hired Balaam to curse Israel. Okay, and then Balaam, the prophet for hire, his name means not of the people. He's the son of Beor, a man endowed with the gift of prophecy. Okay, so that is very revealing to see what their names mean. And so I just want to encourage you in your study, you can use blueletterbible.org and do a word study and find out from the Strongs what that word means in the Hebrew. Now I want to jump into the book of Acts. And in Acts 15, um, we see this controversy rise up. Acts chapter 15, verse 1, And certain men came down from Judah and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the practice of Moses, you are unable to be saved. So is that what this argument really is about, that you must be circumcised to be saved? Many in the traditional Christian church have misunderstood this passage, this whole chapter, and incorrectly concluded that what the Pharisees in Acts 15 were arguing was this, that one must follow the law, the Torah, in order to be saved. This is not the debate or the argument or the question that is on the table. The real question being addressed is this, what has greater Torah weight, circumcision of the flesh or circumcision of the heart? Is there a larger question here? What does this disagreement that Paul was having with the Pharisees, a vigorous disagreement, what does it have to do with the restoration of the tabernacle of David? Okay, so it says in, I believe it's Joel. Uh, The verse comes from the book of Joel. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, says Yahweh, that does this. Okay, so what does that raising up the tabernacle of David have to do with this issue that's on the table? Unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. Well, the last time that the kingdom was one kingdom united was under the kingship of David. And then there was a kingdom split after Solomon passed and it went on. The the kingship went on to his son Rehoboam. There was a kingdom split. We read about it in 1 Kings 12. And the southern kingdom was the king, uh, kingdom of Judah, the Jews. The northern kingdom is the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jews. That's when the tabernacle of David fell, at that kingdom split. And so, uh, what we see is that Paul and Barnabas go to the Jerusalem council to get their, have them weigh in on this issue. And so, the Jerusalem council advises new non-Jewish believers who are coming into the covenant of God into the family of the Lord, they tell them that they are to abstain from the pollution of idols, abstain from fornication, abstain from eating animals that have been strangled, and abstain from eating blood. Why? What was this ruling about? Why were these four things chosen to receive the non-Jew into the family of God? These four things are related to the sins that were committed by the northern kingdom. 
And so this ruling is basically an undoing, a ruling to reverse the curse that came upon the northern kingdom. So what's really going on here is that this controversy that rose up The Pharisees wanted the non-Jews to go through a conversion process of converting to Judaism, which means you're going to follow the oral Torah, and then as a sign that you have converted, you were to get physically circumcised. That's still true today. For a non-Jew to convert into Judaism, they're to follow the oral Torah, they're to follow a rabbi, and then as a sign that you've converted, you're to get physically circumcised. Paul and Barnabas strongly disagreed. They taught that the weightier matter was to be circumcised in heart, not in flesh, and then to follow the written Torah of Yeshua by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So when Paul and Barnabas took this matter to a council of elders and apostles in Jerusalem to get a ruling on this matter, um, it's from Amos 9.11. Amos chapter 9, verse 11, the the verse reads, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Amos 9, 11. What James is saying is that those who are coming to know Yeshua as Messiah and are now following his Torah are in the process of fulfilling the prophecy of Amos 9.11. This is part of the process of restoring the kingdom of Israel into a reunited kingdom. So I hope that this helps to unpack this chapter for you a little more. And if you would like to go into greater detail, Uh, on this teaching, you can go to soundcloud.com and search for Hebraic Heritage Ministries and look for Eddie Chumney. And he has a whole teaching, part one through seven, just on this chapter, Acts 15, part one through seven. And each, each one is about 25 minutes long. So you can get even more details there. So have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Yevrekka Adonai Vish Merekka Yeah Adonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.